Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. God is good no matter what. And I am so blessed to be here with you. Uh, Whether you are in the room, you made it this morning on a cold day, or you are quarantining at home, it is so good to have you. Uh, Even during a pandemic, I love that we can both meet in person and online at the same time. And so those who are watching online, thank you so much. Uh, Again, my name is Greg McKinney, uh, and my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And uh, even on a cold wintry day where maybe the uh, friends that you know and love aren't here, God is still here. Um, And so I'm excited for what uh, he has for us, and I will tell you we are on, as you've already heard, the last part of the series over waiting. Waiting. And I think we're all in a season of waiting, and whether you are stepping in for the first time or maybe you've heard two of the the five messages, uh, you can track with us today because... You know waiting, like the back of your hand. You know how what it is to wait. Uh, in fact, uh, with uh, doctor's offices plagued with people, you know what it's like to wait and wait and wait. Or you get that test to see if you're positive or negative, and you have to wait and wait and wait. We know what it feels like to wait. But in the spiritual sense, hopefully you've realized that that same thing uh, can sort of plague us and send us derailing in our faith when we're waiting for God and he feels silent. So this morning, before I get into closing it, I actually wanted to give uh, some of you who are listening both in person and online uh, some, uh, some information. You've heard maybe a few weeks ago when I cast the vision of, uh, of one day being able to have a, a place of our own. Right? I, you, maybe you heard that. We, I said something about an 18-month just plan or, or in prepping for maybe being able to have a place of our own. Well, I've heard a lot of like questions about what's, the, what's going on with that or, or can we have a little bit more details. So before we get into it, I'll tell you sort of a little bit details of the waiting period that we are in as a church. Um, because I know... Uh, one day we won't be in the YMCA anymore. And I know that because the vision that God gave us, uh, my wife and I with Glory Church, is to be a place, a gathering place consistently that is open throughout the week, a place where people can have events for the community, a place where, where people can come, their food is, is given, a place that, that is constantly there. I think that fits with our our, our mission, our vision of being in the city. And so that's something I want to paint, but practically what that looks like is a little different uh, than what we, we think at times. Um, and so uh, we, we actually were trained, my wife and I, through a, our church planting organization, and uh, they actually give funds for churches when they are two years old. And guys, one day we will be two years old. Right now we are eight months, we're like uh, still in the, you know, the breastfeeding stage of life, um, but one day we will be uh, two years old as a church, and we'll be able to get uh, the funds to, to, to have our own home, our own space. And so what that looks like in the, in the prep is uh, we got to save for that. Our, our church planning organization gives us amazing rates on loans through them. And they want to do funding, but they ask for their churches to have 25% of that down payment, whatever it is. So I have a goal for you, all right? It's going to sound a little crazy, 
but I just want to verbalize it with you, and then we can let the dust settle after I verbalize it. I would love, in less than 18 months, for us to, as a church, uh, raise $200,000 for a down payment and renovations, because you know the city, and any building that I want to get, uh, there's probably going to be some renovations attached to it. <laughs> Because uh, all the buildings along our, uh, the area that we serve are typically dilapidated, uh, and so there's some work. So 200000 what does that look like? That's a big number, and I get overwhelmed, but think about it this way. That's 100 people, whether they're, they're people who are in the family, people who you love, people who will be in the family, deciding to give $2,000. What that looks like over a month, or uh, what it looks like over, we'll say, six months is someone committing, I want to give 350 a month. Uh, to this vision, our church, or, or for if you want to space it in eight months, that's I'll give $250 a month to our church, and I'll tithe. I'll let that be my tithe. Or for some of you who are consistent givers, this could be $100 extra for 12 months. That's $2,000. and like thirty-something dollars extra on a month. That'll be $2,000. And I know that's crazy, and I get really overwhelmed, guys. But I think what the enemy loves for us to do is be single-minded and finite in thinking. And once we're finite in thinking and single-minded, I get overwhelmed. But the beautiful thing about this church, the people of God, is that we are not finite in thinking. Because we have an infinite God. And we are also not single-minded and focused because we have the body of Christ, each other. And so my hope is as I speak that we will begin to realize that the hope that you have is because you have people in you. Uh, you have people in your life. The joy that you experience, the peace that you have is because there's a community around you. And so I know if we're going to get this, this isn't going to be Greg's building. It's going to be glory churches for the community. And so you are part of that just as much as I am. So I would love to just cast that vision and let it go. Uh, some of you, maybe that looks like being consistent in your giving. Others of you, it, it's setting a goal and saying, I want to get there one day and giving. Uh, I'll start small, but then we'll get there. But in 18 months, what would it look like to be able to move in and launch, reopen in a building uh, that, that can be there weekly, uh, that we can be there day after day? But anyways, this is overwhelming and, and it, can be, it can be scary at times, but this idea of, of, of waiting is what we've been talking about, Right. Oh, idea of waiting. And for those of you who've been with us each and every week, you know that uh, it has been, we've been going on the season of waiting, looking at James 5. My hope is that you sort of have this memorized in, in, in some way, right? James writes that as the farmer waits for the precious crop, right, to receive the early and late rains, uh, as a farmer waits, and you've seen this, maybe you're stepping in for the first time and you're like, what is that up there? Is that rosemary? Yes, it is rosemary. Um, it is. We've been growing it together. Um, but in our mind, we can say this is, you know, corn or whatever you want. Um, but we talked, this is our ongoing visual that as the farmer waits, you remember when it was just dirt and it was a seed planted? You remember that week? As the farmer waits for nothing to be seen. And as he waits, hoping that growth is happening underneath because he can't see any growth on top. As the farmer waits then for the dew, the rain to come and a breakthrough moment to happen. And as a farmer waits, you remember this in anticipation, not in obsession. Because anticipation prays and obsession complains. But then when he sees it, as the farmer waits in anticipation, and now he can count his wins versus all the losses. And then last week, if you remember, uh, as the seed grows, not everything that grows on his, on his field is for his good. 
And so there's some weed control. If you were with us last week, we talked strictly on weeds. And I said this, a weed is anything that provides a good distraction from godly discipline. Do you remember that? I say all of this because this is going to lead us into this morning. A weed is anything in our life that provides a good distraction from godly discipline. And so I challenge you, I mean, if, if things are getting in the way of your prayer life, then it's probably a weed. If things are getting in the way of your peace, it's probably a weed. If things are getting in the way of your kindness or you're being snippy to your spouse or you're being, uh, you're being very impatient at work, those godly disciplines are sometimes hurt by good distractions. And we can call them weeds, right? And so last week we talked about this endless work of, of weeding our hearts taking out the things that are good distractions from godly uh, discipline. And James writes, as that farmer waits, so he must wait. Right? That's the whole thing. We need to wait like a farmer who waits diligently, who waits with work, who waits with anticipation. And then we get to today. This is the last part of the waiting season. And I hope as we get into it that you will see how, uh, how familiar this is in our life. I will say that though this is the last one, it can be the hardest one for some of us. And the reason is because it's the last one and it can also last really long. It can be a long part of the waiting season and we are going to call it to keep up with um, all the W's. We're calling this one the wins, the wins. And not the wins without the D. It has a D this time. So the winds. And if you know anything about agriculture, you know that the winds are really powerful. It's an interesting beast. Uh, winds can either destruct things, like it's either destruction, or winds can be helpful for production. Winds can either go destruction route. I mean, in whole acres of, of farm, <laughs> whole acres of farming, their hope, all the work that they put into it can be demolished by a windstorm. Destruction can overtake. Or, do you know that on the other side, winds can prune and pollinate a crop. In fact, fruit is produced because the winds blow. Do you hear that? Fruit is produced because the winds blow. And this is the, the last and the hardest because, think about it, every day that his almost mature crops are out there, maybe they've received the, le- the late rain and they're ready, that, that, that corn is about to be ready to, to pull. It just needs two more weeks, maybe. And then a gust of wind comes and knocks down the majority of his crops, and they don't become ripe. Like, think about how detrimental that is, or it's just about to be pollinated, and then at the right time, that gust of wind comes and provides it with everything needed for growth, for the fruit to be produced. Winds are real, and in our faith, as we look at this in a very practical way in my life, we have to realize that this word, wind, is defined a little bit differently to, an, to a, an Israelite farmer. They knew that the warm winds that come, they're not just winds. They believe in the literal breath of God. That the wind that comes, whether it's out of anger and wrath, and, and he brings destruction because we have followed idols, or the winds that come to provide growth, they believe it's from God. In fact, the Hebrew and Greek words for wind, it can also be translated as this, breath and spirit. Breath and spirit. Have you ever heard the word pneuma? That's the Greek word for spirit. It's also translated dozens of times as wind or breath. It's translated dozens of times. And I will say uh, it's not just in their mind that the winds pollinated. Every good Hebrew knows that it's because our God breathes. The spirit moves over my crops and they are pollinated. 
then my, my God breathes, the wind blows, and the Spirit moves. It's, it's one and the same. So as we get into this, uh, I will tell you that reality changes when God breathes. We're going to open up some passages of this because I think there's some life lessons because what ha- is about to happen before fruit can ever be produced in our life, the wind has to blow. But our God, when he breathes, reality changes. You want some examples quickly? Remember he made Adam and Eve, he formed them in his image. And they were just bodies. And then he, what? Breathed. He breathed. And then the Spirit entered them. They began to become alive. And when God breathes, life happens. Reality changes. And not just that. You remember in Ezekiel, he walks and there's a, a valley of dry bones. And then God says, Ezekiel prophesied of the bones that they would have flesh. And so then he prophesied, and instantly all these bones are covered. This is weird. Like, this is Halloween. My kids would love this. Uh, They'd also be scared and want to run away, but they think it was so cool. Skeletons getting flesh. But then they're not alive. And so then he says, Ezekiel prophesied to the breath, that they would have breath, that they would have breath in their lungs. And then it says, from the winds, the four winds come and breathe, breathe into them. And then they have a spirit, and they become alive. It's because when God breathes, reality changes. And though we can say this uh, in a creative sense for the Holy Spirit, I'm, like, let's think practically. Like, I mean, you're human, so let's put the God card aside. Let's say um, when your spirit is stressed or angry, any of you, go, you people are impatient, anyone? When your spirit is scared, if I were to jump out of a, of a dark corner... What would happen to your breathing? It would be affected, right? Because our spirit is intimately connected with our breath. And then what flows from us is the, uh, the exact same. You're going to either be angry or you're going to speak, oh, ooh, right? You're, like, you're going to make a verbal reaction. Your, your mouth will flow with the emotions that your spirit feels. It's this connection that happens, and it's beautiful. You will see, and I wrote this down, our season of waiting, the winds are the creative and constructive work of the Holy Spirit. Now, that might be weird to say, but I say creative because there's this creative aspect that God, He changes things when He breathes. There's this creative aspect that when God uh, breathes literally on this plant, if it was a corn husk, like this stock, it would be pollinated, creatively changing into fruit. I say creative, but also constructive, right? Because when the Holy Spirit moves, we get disciplined at times. When the Holy Spirit moves, we get pruned at times. And I will tell you that the harvest that you're waiting on needs the pruning of the Holy Spirit. And this is why the winds are so hard. Some of you do not like, I mean, I I think in our um, very consumer culture where uh, we get what we want very quickly and get it quick, I think we get very angry because the work of the Holy Spirit in the wind stage is to prune us before we have what we want. It's to shake us down before we have that which we're praying for. But God, I need restoration in my marriage. Okay, well, you need to be pruned because you keep acting like it's her fault. But you need pruned. God, I want restoration in my city. Or God, I want a purpose. All right, well, you have a lot of wrong beliefs. And they need to be pruned out because you are thinking your purpose is one direction. But it's the other. And so there's a beautiful thing that the winds do. And so this morning, if you will, with me, we are going to dive into three, very quickly, three lessons that the winds 
teach us in Scripture. And we're going to open up a passage to each, all right? So if, you, if you're a note taker, you're going to be writing quick, all right? This is like a water hose coming out at you. Uh, but we could say it's a wind breeze coming at you, a gust of wind. There you go. Uh, a gust of wind. And so three lessons that the winds teach us. They're constructive. They're creative. But the first one is this. They, they remind us that God's will is better. Write that down because uh, it's going to be animated by the story of Jonah. Do you remember the story of Jonah? Uh, many of you know Jonah and the big well, and he gets swallowed by it. But you, you, we often forget how the story began because it doesn't begin with the whale. It begins with God's will. And then it moves from the will to the winds. You ready for this? Uh, it says this in chapter 1 of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee from Tarshish. That's a fun word. From the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board and to go with them to Tarshish. It's, it's really wanting us to know that he's not going to Nineveh. So three times he's going to this place, away from the presence of the Lord. But verse 4, but the Lord, I bet you've overlooked this, hurled a great wind upon the sea. In other words, he breathed upon the sea. The Spirit of God flowed over the sea and it created a storm. And it says the ship was threatened to break up. But it says, the mariners were afraid, and each of them cried to their God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea and lightened it for them. But you know this, it's going to continue, and Jonah's going to be like, no, it's me. I disobeyed my God, throw me over, and then the, you know, the fish comes into play. But do you realize, when we overlook God's will, winds come. Winds of hardship, sometimes winds of the storm. And we know the story that his stubbornness led him to flee from what God is doing. But I wrote this, that sometimes in the wait, God will give you destruction or direction to what you don't want to do. Think about it. In the wait, he's going to start asking you to do things that you don't want to do. He's going to ask you to forgive the people that you're not ready to forgive yet. He's going to ask you to go talk in compassion to the people that you want to talk with bitterness to. He's going to ask you to do things that you don't want. Because in the wait, we want the good things, but we don't realize that like that blessing is given to the blessed person. And we are not there yet. Because I'm not born in the Spirit. I am, I am arrogant at times, right? Like I am not meek. I am, I am not humble at times. And so there are some things that our stubbornness will run from to Nineveh, or from Nineveh to Tarshish, right? That God wants us to turn around so the winds blow. I wrote some, some uh, objects down. Like maybe you, you say, I have to mend that relationship. Or maybe you say, I have to give up that thing. Or maybe you said, I have to give my attention to them. No, God. No, no. And so we run. And the constructive work of Jonah's life is to remind him of something. The winds, the constructive winds, they're to remind us this, that God's will may not be the easiest place, but it will always be the blessed place. If you're in a season that has shaken and you thought you were just waiting, but now it's just a season of hardship and pain, it might be because in the waiting you're running from that which God's actually asking you to do. In the waiting, you're, you're being too stubborn. Maybe, it, like me at times, you've been so unhappy with God as keep saying, be patient, that you're turning around the wrong direction. And the wind's unhappiness, sometimes he 
hurls a great wind to get us really caught up. Sometimes he hurls a great wind and like Jonah, I don't want to do what the Lord says. I want to do what I want. I want to go where I want. And instantly we overlook the beauty of the harvest. But I wrote this down that if the harvest is to happen, then submission is necessary. If the harvest is to happen, then submission. And so Jonah finally in the belly of the well gets submissive. Are you going to get submissive? Think about this. The, if the harvest is going to happen, the plant has to be submissive to the winds as it blows. The plant has to be submissive. We have to realize that there is submission that must happen in order for us to take any step forward. And sometimes that means, God, humble me. God, blow down my pride. God, silence me. God, forgive me of every time I ran the other way. God, direct my steps. God, if it's not this way, then slam that door. God, blow me in the right direction. Give me humility for my stubbornness. Give me humility. And before you deem this as weird, uh, we got some two other lessons, all right? And the next lesson might sound strange, but it's so beautiful, all right? And it's this. If the first one was right to, to uh, show us that God's will is better, the second lesson that the winds teach us is to reveal our current restrictions. To reveal our current restrictions from God's freedom, his ever-present freedom. Now, as you see this, these two things might be weird, but think about this. There are times when the winds blow, and we're going to look at another storm, and sometimes the storm comes not from blatant disobedience, but from very um, not noticeable and very ill spirits at work in us. Maybe, and you can think I'm weird, but the spirit of fear at work, or the spirit of doubt, or the spirit of arrogance, or the spirit of, of, of criticism, or sometimes the spirit of, of bitterness, or the spirit of doubt or worry. And as those things creep up, the winds sometimes blow to show us that our present restrictions, how restricted we are in our fear, is very different than God's ever-present freedom. And there are beautiful times in Scripture of this, and we're going to look at another storm. We've looked at the storm in Jonah's life, but did you know that there, many of you know this story, the storm that the disciples felt when Jesus was in the, the, the boat with them and he was asleep? I, now, before we even get on this, get ready, because you're about to see that the disciples' current restrictions are very contrasted from Jesus' freedom. I mean, if you know the story, you can already prep yourself. One of them are freaking out, running, saying, we're going to die. Where's Jesus? And then the other is sleeping peacefully. Jesus is freely sleeping while the disciples are frantically running. And this is when the winds blow sometimes to show us what is at work. Are you ready? So we're going to dive into this story. Mark 4, it says that Jesus led them into a boat and they went to the sea and a storm Right, it literally says the winds blow, God breathed, and a storm flew into the waves. In verse 38, they were, were wondering where he was, but it says, but he was in the, storm, the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are pe perishing? Literally, right before this, it says a great windstorm arose and and wrecked the boat. They were scared and freaking out. And I love this. He woke up and rebuked the wind, the breath. He rebuked it and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind, the breath ceased. And there was a dead calm. 
And then he looked to them and said, why are you afraid? Like, do you have still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, who is this that even the winds, who is this that even the breath of God, who is this that even the spirit of God obeys him? This is God. And so as we get into this, I I will tell you that the men, they gave up everything to follow Jesus. Like practically, these are Jesus' disciples. But we see instantly that these feelings of fear arose. And we can quickly look at the story and say, well, yeah, they were afraid of the, the, the storm. But can we just pause and think, what if their fear and their doubt and their lack of faith stemmed way before the storms ever hit? Do you know how, why I ask that? Because Jesus looks at them and says, do you still not have faith? They didn't automatically lose their faith when the storms showed, but what if instead the, sh- the storms came and it showed their lack of faith. Is this making sense? In other words, when the the season of hardship comes for you, sometimes you blame it for your anger. Sometimes you say, I'm angry because this has happened. Or I'm angry because that flat tire again. Or I am just bitter because this happened. Or it's just a thing after a thing after a thing, and I have a right to not be happy. And we blame sometimes that ill spirit in us, whether it's fear, doubt, worry, anger, stubbornness, to the situation. But what if God allows the winds to blow to showcase that which has always been lurking in you? Does this make sense? They were fearful long before they stepped into that boat. Every step they had this doubt, is this man really who he says he is? And and I know this because they're constantly going to doubt, right? He always asks you of little faith. And so I wrote this down that God uses, the wind was God's tool to bring those things to the surface in them. Bring those things to the surface. You can blame that for your anger, but what if that was the very reason, the very thing that God used to show you your anger? You see, the winds come to show your current restrictions and God's ever-present freedom. I wrote this, the winds show us that our faith is not what we thought it to be. The winds show us that our faith is not what we thought it to be. And you may be asking for God to move up here, you know, when the fruit is produced, and you think you have that faith, but right now you're struggling deep with anger, pointing to all these other things of why you should be angry. But really God's saying, no, I need to deal with this ill spirit. I need to deal with it. You need to realize that I breathe to show you that which needs to be pruned. I breathe to get it out. And so I just have a question. What are some things that have been lurking in you? What are some things? Because as they freaked out in fear, he sleeps. As they freak out in fear, he is in freedom. And there is this beautiful disconnect uh, that God wants to show us in the winds. That over here you are stressing out while the Spirit of God is at peace next to you. And he breathes to show you the opposite. How in contrast you are with him. So that you can again submit. So the disciples run and say, Jesus, like, do you not care? And he stands up and says, peace, be still. Yeah. And I, yeah, he said it to the winds, but I also think he said it to them. Peace, be still. And so at times when we get there, we've got to go to the God who can speak even now. Peace, be still. Peace, be still. But we've got one last lesson. 
And as we get into this, I will tell you, it is sometimes the most beautiful one. And I feel like I'm, I am right here in some ways. But at times, whew, this can feel like this is never the wind. Because those are some constructive winds. There's also some good ones. Can we be honest? There's some good winds that point us to the, the right direction. And so the last lesson that we can learn from the winds in Scripture is that they also prove God's constant grace. Prove his constant grace. That there might be times when it's hard, uh, hardship, and the winds are there to prune us. But also there is this beautiful time when the wind blows and there is a direction that we can walk in. You remember the story, and this is the last little section we have. Do you remember the story when Moses finally lets, he gets his people to go, and Pharaoh says, okay, go, leave. And this is like taught in the Bible, like a little baby, when we were children, and they taught us with the baby books, and we see the, the parting of the Red Sea, right? And we love the parting of the Red Sea, but do you, do you remember the beginning of it? When the winds blew. We probably don't at times. We don't look at that. But there is this beautiful time when they are let go and they look behind them and see Pharaoh's army advancing against them. Like literally they were free and given freedom and now they're looking and, and that which is against them is advancing now to them, coming after them, going to seize them. And so they're afraid. But Moses, he, his whole countenance is very different than the disciples that were in the boat that day. He has this faith. And so he speaks this in, uh, in Exodus 14. And he says this to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see, you will never see again. Like think about, you think about this knowing that a wall is about to form out of the Red Sea, but they didn't. He looks at them, they're running. Have you ever been chased after? And Moses says, be still, be still. Have you ever been chased after? And then he looks at the people who are frantic and speaks, be still. Be still, stand firm. Stand. Stand firm. And then it says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. We're going to keep going. We're going to move forward. In verse 16, it says, raise your staff and stretch your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. This is the children's story we heard. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain the glory through Pharaoh and all of his army and through the chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and horsemen. And then verse 21, Moses did what he said. He stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night. Do you hear that? All that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, breath, spirit. Strong east wind and turned it into dry land and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through on the sea on dry ground with the wall of water on both sides. We know the story of the walls, but we forget that it's the story of the winds. Yeah. That God makes a way through wind. His breath, His Spirit provides. And often, I will tell you, these are the beautiful moments when that door is opened for you. That conversation you had that you were not ready for, you did not think that it was going to happen, and it was this open door possibility. Or when you had a job interview and you didn't even know it was going to come, and God opens the door for things. Or there's a provision and God opens the door. These are the beautiful times where the wind blows and we know the next step. And notice it's the next step. All the Israelites know, I mean, the Red Sea was not the end goal. All the Israelites know is uh, 
that's going to blow. The wall is going to form. We are going to walk, and they are going to die. Like, I don't know what's after this, but I know that we are, the Lord is, is going to have victory, and we're going to make it through. And sometimes we've got to realize that the winds blow to show his constant grace. But the answer that we have to realize is the Moses that says, be still. Be still. Because he hasn't blown yet. And there's that, I feel like that's where I am at times, right? I know that God is going to do something, and I'm looking in anticipation. The clock is ticking on, but did you realize that all night God breathed on the waters? Like, that's a long time. They're already seeing them running. They're still going. Now they're standing, right? Like, the, the Egyptians are still coming, but they have to be still. When I was getting ready this morning, I just felt God just saying, Greg, I need you to just be still. Because time ticks on, and I'm thinking, like, i got to get the kids ready. We have to do this, and we have to get ready. And, and uh, the, this week, Colin and Kate just got married, and so they're out this week. And so I'm, like, trying to think, and I, I'm realizing that, that the moments are ticking fast. And God's like, I, I can pause the Egyptian army from coming after you right now. You need only to be still. The wind will blow, but your job is to just wait. And for some of you who are there, that is what God is wanting to speak on you. But I will tell you, the fact that the way is made proves this one truth. That he's not yet finished. That he's not yet finished with you. Think about it. Israelites, I'm going to make a way right now. And it's going to show you that I'm not finished with you. Israelites, the Egyptians are advancing you right now. But I'm about to cause the wind to blow. And I'm not finished with you. You have a next step. And this is the beautiful thing that I need you to realize. When the winds blow, whether it's a storm, whether it's a hardship, it's God speaking, I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not finished with you yet. And yeah, that's going to be hard because it's going to wreck who you thought you were, but he's not finished with you yet. It's going to be hard because it's going to prune some ill spirits that you thought uh, you were blaming for far too long on something else. But he's not finished with you yet. And it's that beautiful truth. But there is a way to be made. So I have a question as we close. In your current season, in your current season, what wins have God, has God brought? What wins? What wins has God brought about? What wind has he brought about? Has it been a wind of construction? Has it been a wind of, um, of pain? Has it been a wind of his grace? What winds have God brought about? And what may be he trying to teach you because of it? What may, what may the teaching be? God, as we sit in this question, I just want to own the fact there, no matter what weight we are in, it's interesting that when you breathe, we respond so differently at times. So God, I pray right now for, for grace for the person who's experienced the storm of your breath lately. And God, maybe it's because they've, they've had blatant disobedience. You've asked them to do something and they've ran away out of stubbornness. You've asked them to forgive and they've said no. You've asked them uh, to be kind and gentle to this, this issue, but they've said no. And in the seasons of the winds, pray that you give us the grace to submit. 
Then there's others who maybe for the first time are realizing that the fear that they have felt, it's always been there. And it's something that you've been trying to showcase, to bring up to the surface. And then last, God, I just pray in thankfulness for all the, the winds that you brought in for your constant grace. That show your goodness and your beauty. That you may be glorified in and through all that I do. In your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.